Wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It is really wonderful, an absolute privilege uh, to be able to share with you. Uh, This week, uh, we look at God, the Bible, and a very human church. Uh, This week, uh, we're working our way through the experience of the church at Corinth. Uh, We noticed that this was a church uh, that faced real problems. Yesterday, uh, we asked, how do I deal with cliques? In the church. Now that is a a, a real and a genuine issue uh, to this day. Uh, Today uh, we're talking about the issue that comes up in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5. How does the church deal with immorality when it occurs in the church? Uh, Today, our co-host is Eric Hoare. Now, Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome to you, Eric. Thanks, Pastor Gary. It's lovely to be sitting in front of you again. Uh, It is wonderful to have you you with us. I love to have uh, your smiling face across the desk from me. me. What have you been up to lately? Well, uh, I hear you've been fishing. Yeah, well, I try to fish with my friend, uh, Fred, but uh, as he says, we go to feed the fish, not to catch them, because we don't seem to catch much when we're out. But it's lovely, you know, uh, being retired and having a day when we went down and sat down on, near the water. It's just so peaceful and relaxing, and, and just to chat together and catch up with a few things. It's lovely. Yeah. It's uh, having that time out. No, I, I, but I'm through a busy week, uh, everything's sort of rolling around. Christmas is, what, about 36 days or 34 days away or something, and things are moving so fast towards the end of the year uh, so yeah we're uh, keeping things going for the Aboriginal church and we're going to have a nice uh, uh, planning some sort of uh, event for them at Christmas time will be nice. Oh that's on Christmas day? No what we'll do for for the Aboriginal folks we'll probably about a week before we normally take them somewhere nice take them on an outing we do take them on outings anyway but we'll take them out for a special lunch and we normally buy them a little gift each yeah. and just make it special for them. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no that's one I, I know that you're developing a real community uh, in uh, in your indigenous church that's that's here in Adelaide, and you know if people want to come along and jo- are they welcome to come and join you? Any time, yep. Bible study on a Wednesday at Peters Walsh Road, number twenty. That's uh, at Elizabeth Elizabeth Downs. Yep, that's the Elizabeth Seventh Adventist Church, and also we meet on a on a Sabbath on a Saturday, and we we just go and join in at eleven o'clock, and we have a little bit of lunch there. So yeah, so anybody's welcome. Uh, would love to see. people people there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know you've got a really good thing, a greatly appreciated uh, ministry actually occurring uh, right there. Uh, look, let's come to our World Watch uh, segment uh, just just mm-hmm. now. Uh, one of the uh, articles, that one of the uh, writers, the authors that I really appreciate uh, following online is uh, the Denison Forum. Now, you can actually pick this up online uh, and it's really worth it. This, um, this gentleman really puts some excellent material out. Uh, he puts out a daily commentary on issues that are 
impacting our world. And um, just a, a day or two ago, he, he put out his, his daily meditation. It was entitled, How Should Christians Respond to the Normalization of Sin? Now, this one I really uh, picked up on. To me, this started to speak to me. And uh, he, he said some things that I thought are, are actually incredibly relevant to the time in which we're living. And he's talking, of course, about the American scene, but we'll forgive him for, for that. Uh, Governor Greg Ablett is directing the Texas education officials to investigate whether pornography is available in the state's public schools and to notify law enforcement if such material is found to be accessible. In a letter to the Education Commissioner, uh, he noted the presence of pornography in schools is not only inappropriate, but it's also against the law. In previous correspondence, the Governor cited two books removed from libraries in the cities of Keller and Leander. Uh, according to the Dallas Morning News, Keller removed a genderqueer, a memoir, uh, after complaints of the book's drawings, and Leander uh, removed in the removed the book The Dream House, uh, which describes sexual acts. One uh, one author wrote in the New New York uh, Times editorial. Um, she uh, she actually wrote defending. Uh, the uh, the work that had been removed. Uh, the New York Times described her book as a memoir of domestic violence uh, or verbal, psychological and emotional abuse in queer relationships. In her mind, the book helps prepare students to understand the world in which they will encounter or even the lives they're already living. As she dismisses allegations that a depiction of lesbian relationships is grooming students or normalising such relationships. However, normalising unbiblical sexual activity has been an intentional and strategic activity uh, for decades. It gained uh, early momentum through television shows such as Will and Grace uh, and is now so ubiquitous as to be normal and thus quite successful. I could fill the next uh, 20 articles, Denison says, with examples of normalising unbiblical morality, such as the elementary school that recently took students to a gay bar. However, my focus today, he says, is on how effective such normal, uh, how effective such normalisation has been, not just in the culture of the world, but also in the culture of the church. Christians, according to Denison, and I'd have to agree with him, are simply cohering with the norms of our day. 85% of unaffiliated Americans, according to a Barna survey, endorse same-sex marriage. Of those, 67% uh, do uh, who are also Catholics, and 68% of white mainline Protestants uh, also endorse same-sex marriage. 44% of black Protestants. Uh, do you know, Eric, as I, as I read this particular article, what I came to realise is that uh, he's, he's reflecting on something that certainly impacts American society but really impacts 
our society as well. This is something that is not unique to America. And then he concludes by saying this, some uncomfortable questions. How should you and I respond? And uh, Denison says, says this, as I noted yesterday, God's people are to be watchmen on the wall, warning those inside the city of impending danger. We are the body of Christ, the visible manifestation of his continuing ministry in our world. However, a speaker cannot expect his or her audience to believe a message he or she does not model. And Habis, fitness instructor or a tone-deaf singing coach, will struggle to find employment. The normalization of sin, let me ask you some questions. Uh, firstly, uh, do you wince when a movie makes extramarital sex an expected part of its plot or when adultery is a punchline on a TV show? Do you grieve for those who champion and even joke about uh, abortion and pride gay, gay pride marches? If your children or grandchildren were watching the show, shows or movies you watch, would you still watch them? Are you truly burdened for the spiritual condition of your neighbours, colleagues and unsaved family members? Um, Brother Luke Digwig of uh, Society of St John the Evangelist writes, Kingdom life is one of participation. Uh, to not act is just as bad as to overtly do something wrong. Uh, what we do or don't do actually matters. God gives gifts. We are to receive and to use them. A Scottish minister, John Bailey, prayed, Lord, do not let me rest content with the ideal of humanity that is less than that which was shown to us in Jesus Christ. Give me the mind of Christ. May I not rest until I am like him in fullness. Now, to me, as I read this particular article, uh, Eric, it, it's, it's, it certainly challenged me because I'm conscious that these issues aren't unique to, uh, to America. But look, uh, tell me something. He's talking about the, uh, the normalization of sin. Do you think that's a real issue? I mean, he says it's, you know, it's impacting the church as much as the world. Now, I certainly accept that it's impacting in the world. Do you think it's impacting the church? Oh, for sure. And we've seen a decline, haven't we, over the years? I know since I have been a Christian, a decline in in the uh, the standards, if you like, of of living uh, with each other. I think that um, as the world has has become uh, more um, showing these things in the media and on on television and the and media, I think that's come into homes and and people have. Find that a normal thing to associate with, and being a Christian, uh, this is a very contentious subject tonight. Because what do you do in a church? We're going to talk about that tonight when something yeah. does crop up. How do we act? How is it supposed to be treated? We're going to look at Scripture today and take it right from there. And yeah. Paul faced that when we talk about Corinthians tonight. He faced these issues, and we've got to see the background of that and see what he says about that through the Spirit, and also talk about judging and if we're not to judge one another those sort of things will come in tonight which will be very interesting to see you know these are these are really important questions that you're yeah. actually raising here eric because i'm really conscious that the church is has certainly for a long time uh, not said a great deal uh, on this issue of 
uh, morality. And certainly the the Corinthian church, we're working our way this week through the book of Corinthians, and of course uh, you'll dig more into this, but the Corinthian church was actually a really problematic church, and, mm. and, and you'll dig into that in just a moment. But, uh, do you know, one of the things I'm just so conscious about uh, is that sometimes we think that the, the New Testament church was you know pure and holy and that they you know they didn't have the issues that that we've got today but if you read through the book of Corinthians you sort of see the issues that are involved in that particular church and you say hey you know uh, this this is something that ha- this church has a great deal to teach us today and particularly by what Paul actually says to the members in in that uh, in that church, um, I, I know myself that uh, uh, certainly uh, the media has certainly uh, normalised uh, a great deal of material that even uh, even when I was younger, you know, my high school days uh, was certainly not normal uh, within within our society, and it's something I think that is certainly going to challenge us uh, this evening. Uh, but Eric, look, let's come to some uh, uh, some music uh, just now. Uh, this. This is uh, Graham uh, Kendrick. Uh, love uh, his rendition of meekness and majesty. Uh, please enjoy. Frailty 
That was Graham Kendrick, and uh, the song was Meekness and uh, and Majesty. Really appreciate uh, what Graham does uh, does share in that. Uh, folks, we do have a, a free book uh, for you today. Uh, our free gift for you today is the book uh, Life Without Limits. Now, uh, this book has been put together by Clifford Goldstein. Now, Clifford Goldstein's got a, a wonderful way of presenting powerful truths for your journey to hope and to meaning. How would you like to live differently if you knew that there was more to life than what you're actually seeing? Something wonderful awaiting you on the road of life. If you're not, you're not on this journey by chance, but for a special purpose. If you knew those things were true, would you live a safe and defeated? Or would you set out to live a larger life, a life without limits? This is an absolutely enlightening book. Clifford Goldstone uh, takes on some of life's biggest questions and offers some of the answers that are going to challenge how you view and how you live your life. It's a, this book is a fascinating uh, mixture of faith uh, and logic. Uh, where did we come from? What laws are there that protect us from pain? And why can we believe in a promising future? I love this uh, this particular book. I believe that uh, this is one that you, if you haven't picked up one of our books before, uh, this is the one uh, to actually grab because uh, I love uh, Clifford Goldstein's uh, writing. It, it is so engaging. It, you, this is one of those books that you don't put down when you've actually picked them up. And now, look, if you would like uh, your own copy of Life Without Limits, uh, all you need to do is to text us are uh, here on our studio number. Uh, now, our studio number is 04888 808 11. That number again is 04888 808 11. And all you need to do is just to text us the code SA25. No gap between uh, any of those letters. Just SA for South Australia 25. And uh, uh, that'll go directly to our robot. Uh, and robot's got a name now. He's called Faithful. And he, he does a wonderful job. He'll make contact with you. He'll request the information off you that we need uh, so that uh, we can get this uh, book to you in the fastest possible manner. So, uh, um, Please don't be embarrassed to uh, uh, to text my mate uh, uh, Faithful. He does a fantastic uh, little uh, little job. Uh, you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q and A with uh, Pastor Gary today. Our co-host is Eric Hoare. Now Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh Day Adventist Church. This week uh, we're looking at God, the Bible. And a very human church. Now, this is so relevant for the day and age we're actually living in today. This week, we're working our way through the experience of the church at Corinth. 
uh, we noticed uh, yesterday that this was a church that faced real problems. And we're going to dig into more of those problems today. Yesterday, we asked, how do I deal with clicks in the church? Because we noticed that uh, this is a church that uh, Paul opens up by talking about. He says, hey, uh, guys, you've got clicks in the church big time and uh, you need to do something about that. And he gives some advice as to how we can actually deal with those particular issues. Today, uh, we move into another issue that comes to the surface in this particular church. And of course, this is the issue of immorality in the church. Have you ever known a church where there is immorality has has actually come to the surface? Sometimes we've seen it, uh, even with the, with church pastors uh, have lost their ministry as a result of uh, immorality. It's something we tend to not say a great deal about today. Immorality in the church. I mean, how should a church respond when uh, a member uh, or a, a church pastor? Uh, is guilty of uh, of immorality. This this is really key. This is a really practical uh, session today. Uh, Eric, look, mm-hmm. let, let me come to you now and just just explain to us maybe a bit of the the background of uh, what's going on in uh, in Corinth, uh, and then you know open out this question for us. Yes, it's interesting, Pastor Gary, when you talked about uh, um, you know we think back to the church in the in the Old Testament and 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 the New and think that it was pretty good. It was it was pretty pure and. And uh, even though there were a lot of instructions from Paul, uh, they were going okay. But it seems that they were actually, I would say, if not worse than us today within the church of what was happening there. Yeah. And he's going to bring that out. And the normalization you're saying now here of sin within the church, uh, of sinful acts, we, we, I don't know about you, Pastor Gary, but it seems to be that there are things happening that there's no, nothing seems to be taken an um, action of that it, it seems to just about be a norm. That there, are, there are some things that you're actually almost not allowed to mention. You yes. know, I mean, it's yeah. if you like, you know, people have talked about sometimes an elephant in the room. You know, mm. something that's so big. You know, everyone knows that it's there. Everyone knows that it's an issue, but it's so big it's going to upset so many yes. people that you you actually can't mention it. And you know, to me, this issue of uh, immorality in the church almost falls into that particular category. Yes, that's right. And, you know, um, believe it or not, but the sexual morals in the first century uh, in the Corinth church were worse. Um, and Paul spent actually the first three chapters of uh, 1 Corinthians dealing with the subject. Uh, and we need to begin by examining what the culture was in Paul's day, uh, how they felt about sexual morality. And they did have strong feelings. Wife must be, must be pure for one thing. Uh, for men, adultery was frowned upon with the wives of other men and with underage free-born free females, but it surely took place and it was considered immoral. But beyond that, however, a married man thought nothing of having sex with prostitutes or with slave girls. It was taken for granted and Corinth was home to the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love and beauty, where 1,000 female prostitutes served there, contributing to the city's reputation uh, for immorality. In fact, the coined Greek word to Corinthianize meant to practice immorality and the phrase Corinth girl designated actually a prostitute that you could have a Corinth 
Corinthian girl. Homosexuality, homosexuality was, was rife. It was accepted both in Greek and Roman cultures. And also lesbianism was also mentioned, but not so much. And of course, Paul had taught the Corinthians about sexual purity uh, when he was with them. But he had left five years previous to this, what he's talking about here today in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, but since he had left those five years previously, the church had grown considerably amongst the pagans population of the city and apparently the church leadership at Corinth was lax with regard to enforcing a high moral standard amongst members and Paul actually writes in Corinthians 5 uh, verse 1 it says it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as is not even named amongst the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife and in a lot of translations it says is a father's uh, stepwife. Like, wow. So wow. this is actually where somebody, in, a man in the church, has had relationships with his fathers, with his stepmother, basically. Mm. And um, obviously, maybe the stepmother was younger. Uh, mm. to this person's thing and it said here widely reported which means not only did it go out to the church but also to the the non population the pagans all knew what was happening here or that this had actually taken place it was widely reported it says and it's here. actually it's actually being looked down upon even by the people who are yeah. part mm. of the Corinthian culture. And, uh, you know, Paul is trying to say, guys, what is going on here? Why are you allowing something to happen in the church that even the uh, the Philistines outside the church um, look down on? Yeah, that's right. It's actually worse than what was happening in the, in the world around exactly. them with exactly. non-believers. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's interesting that sexual immorality uh, in the NIV, fornication is another translation. is is comes from the word pornea, which we get the word pornography from. Yeah, it's actually talking about pornography. This here. has got a long history, hasn't it? You know, I mean, we sort of uh, see that you know our culture today has uh, has got major issues with this whole issue of morality, and uh, certainly pornography is certainly part of that uh, uh, that entire equation. But certainly in the New Testament world, they faced similar issues to today. Mm. And the thing is, uh, Pastor Gary, when you think of it, that you know the the church had grown, and and um, a lot of the pagans had had come in and and the influences of around that city that the the evilness of the city had now uh, come into the church mm. um, and this is what Paul was concerned about um, he left them with good instruction you know from God and and uh, that this was to be but five years had passed and now it was growing it's getting worse and the sins were popping up and he had heard about this it had been reported to him and it had gone widely out and it's it's worse than what the pagans were doing how could that be so Paul, Paul Paul's got two problems here, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's got the members' sexual immorality, but he also has another one here too, which is a church's tolerance of this relationship. And it's found in the next verse uh, uh, 2. It says here, And you are puffed up, talking to the church, the Corinthian church, and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from amongst you. So it's saying here about being puffed up. And this actually talks about that they were proud in their arrogance mm. uh, of their tolerance. They were saying, look, we will accept you. Uh, you can stay in our church, you know, and, uh, and that's fine. And they, and they made that known that this was okay 
for this to happen. And In other words, this is something that we're almost we're afraid to mention. We're not going to mention it. I mean, to mention something like that, you know, I mean, potentially you could offend people. Now, of course, you know, we're living in a day and age now where, uh, you know, offence is is regarded as a, you know, a, a significant issue. I mean, this is something, I mean, if you bring up a, a, the way another person is living, I mean, surely, uh, I mean... Should Christians do that sort of a thing? And that, that's what Paul's actually addressing here. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes, even, even a lot of, um, sometimes Christians will say, well, look at David, you know, he took Bathsheba's wife, you know, he took her in and, and Lord blessed him in the end, but he had, he lost his son and, and things happened, but they sort of reason around what happened in scripture, which you can do when you start to justify a sinful action. Because yeah. this is a, 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 this is one of the biggest sinful actions that you can actually do. And, and often when you ask somebody like when I've dealt with people out in the world and I, I put you know we talk about scriptures and we talk about something they'll say with a sin well what's wrong with that yeah, what's wrong with yeah, doing yeah, that yeah, yeah. and that's the problem and when it normalizes in the church it means do we stand on the word of God do Look, we listen to let's, well, let's deal with just you know you've mentioned correctly I think here that we've got that there's two major issues here firstly you've got the issue of uh, what this um, the person in the church is doing and then they've got the second issue of um, the church is doing nothing about it and Paul is saying hey you should be doing something about it so you've got uh, two separate issues here now can we come to that first issue at the at the present time this is the one uh, concerning what this man is actually doing. Now, I suppose, Eric, to me, um, uh, is this something that, you know, is, is sexual immorality, I mean, to what extent is it a problem in the church today? Well, the thing is, Pastor Gary, is that when um, things happen, I mean, let, let's face it, you know, um, I, I struggle with these issues myself, uh, to be quite honest with you, because when you look at um, uh, something that happens in the church, you're in your local church and something happens, and um, you, you know, we're asked to forgive somebody and, and show love to them, but and we don't want to offend people. And yeah. so um, what happens is that quite often nothing is said. Um, there's no action taken, yeah. uh, even by the board. Yeah. Um, it, it, the person may be talked to, and and that's it. But if it keep if it car- carries on, uh, then we'll find out later what actually happened in the Corinthian church. But it, it, it's an, a difficult issue to to challenge, and and sometimes we don't want to hurt someone's feelings, as you said yeah. earlier. And um, the thing is that we're all sinners. We we we're called into the church. The church is for is for other the sick people, you know. Yeah. But how do we handle it when? Um, when we have this amongst us, when the word of God is clear that we're called out of sin, yeah, we're called yeah. from being I, in a sinful place. I, I think you make an, an, a vital point here. You know, one of the things I'm just so conscious of as a as a church pastor, and I've now got you know many decades of of experience behind me, and uh, I've certainly encountered these issues on numerous occasions. And the thing that really stands out to me, Eric, is that uh, if an if a person is involved in some form of immorality, mm. it's they're never alone in it. There is always. Uh, well, there's generally a second guilty party. Now, I know there's one or two issues, you know, like pornography where there may not be a, another party involved, uh, but there is generally at least two parties. But, you know, the thing I've discovered is that there's also families involved. Yes. You've got the family of yeah. 
him, you've got the family of her, you've got the children of each each family, and the hurt and the pain that goes through families as a result of these issues being unaddressed, I find uh, is absolutely reprehensible because sometimes we think, hey, look, you know, if we mention this to, you know, a brother or a sister, if we go and talk to someone, we might offend them. But I'm also conscious after many years in ministry that if we, in fact, do not say some things, it's going to really impact uh, the family, uh, children, wife, husband uh, of the individuals concerned. And, And to me, that says something to me as a church pastor. Well, Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you may also be tempted. So there, there is ways of doing about it. I mean, Matthew 18.15-17 says, If your brother sins, go and show him his fault. Uh, yeah. Just between the two of you, if he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take another one or two along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he still refuses to listen uh, to the church, which are the people, tell treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So it's saying here that this sin is something that can't can't remain in the church. It, you know, this what, what we're looking at here today is an uh, is an absolute out and out. You know, a sin yeah, here against. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So this is something here that has to be dealt with. Otherwise, it, the church will will lose its its. Uh, it, it's got to be done in the spirit, not of the flesh. Yeah. Or the church yeah, starts yeah. to go down. Yeah. I, mm. I I certainly know, Eric. One of the mistakes that I made very early in my ministry, I uh, I was pastor of a uh, of a relatively large church, even at at that time, and uh, I will remember uh, my. You know, one person saying to me, "Hey, look, you know, mentioned one of the uh, one of the church fathers. Uh, he said to me, he said, look, you know, he seems to be getting an inappropriate relationship with and named one of the ladies in the church. Now, I'm one of those people who doesn't pick that up uh, particularly quickly. You know, I'm I'm slow on the uptake on that. Um, and at that time, the mistake I made was that I didn't follow up on that particular issue, and I didn't encourage the church to follow up. Just a matter of a couple of months later, the two uh, went into a full-blown uh, sexual relationship. It damaged uh, two families. And I took a, a commitment at that time uh, that uh, if uh, something like that, it's far better for me to approach, to talk to an individual quietly on the side and to say to them, hey, look, do you realise that, you know, it, it, it appears that, you know, that relationship you've got with somebody else there is actually bordering on being inappropriate. Now, that makes me very unpopular uh, on, a, on occasions. But, you know, I know that it also does save uh, family relationships. And, and to me, you know, Eric, uh, that, was, uh, that was a mistake that I made very early on uh, in my ministry. And it's something that I've had to address on numerous occasions in ministry. And it seems that, you know, Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians that it's so important that the church does deal with this. So firstly, what Paul is saying is that, uh, that what this fellow is doing, he's into a relationship with what is effectively his stepmother. 
He's saying that is a, a, is inappropriate. But the point is he's talking to the church and he now starts to reflect on the church and says, "Hey, you have not addressed it." Now, look, let's come to this to this issue because this one is actually bigger and more difficult in many ways mm. than uh, even the uh, the fact of the uh, the immorality itself. Now, um, build up. Build a bigger picture on uh, on this particular issue. I mean, what's going on here? Well, he uses pretty strong words, Paul, here, doesn't he? And he says, um, you know, he talks about that a man has his father's uh, a wife or, or his stepmother, and you, you are puffed up, it says, so you're full of pride, it's saying, um, and have not rather mourned. You're not sad about this. You, you know, it's almost as though nothing's happened, he's saying here, mm. uh, he, that he has done this deed that it might be taken that he might be taken away from you. For he says, For I indeed, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though were present him who has so done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. So what he's saying here is he's not sad about this. It doesn't seem to me as though you want to do anything about it. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're accepting this as a norm. Just It's actually worse than, the, than the, those outside the church. What are you doing? Why aren't you sad? Where is the spiritual there is actually life a, in the church? There's actually a call here, isn't there, You know that you as a church are being expected to make some sort of statement on uh, this this issue now, you know. I mean, Eric. One of the things I'm conscious of, though, most people certainly today would say, "Hey, look, you know, this is a private issue. You know, what happens between you know individuals outside of church is a private issue." How would you respond to that sort of thing? Well, you know, it is it's very difficult. But the thing is that, you know. When we're when when our, when we're born again, when we come into it into the church to to serve God and to and to be changed, um, if we don't have this, um, uh, we have to have the love for the person. It's the way it's dealt. I've seen people who have been hauled over the coals because they've done something wrong, but they were done in a wrong way. Yeah, and and there is a way of of doing it in love. And showing love to that person because ultimately what you're doing is if you're bringing them to realization because, you know, lust, this is what we're talking about here, lust and a moving away is caught up in emotions. And so, but if you can speak to somebody in a loving way and, and point it out, you're actually bringing that person, you're speaking to them out of love. Yeah. Not out of anything else, because yeah. don't we always say that we love the person and not the sin? Yeah, yeah, Isn't no, that the that's, way to do it. That's so important, and and you know one of the things I suppose I'm conscious of here. It's very much uh, like a, I suppose, a father and children. You know, when I I look at a church, you know, a church corporately uh, can function very much like the father or the mother, the parent of children, and uh, we are accountable to each other as the body of Christ. And, you know, to me, what that means to me is that I want to look out for you. Yes. I want you to look out for me. But, you know, sometimes with my children, that means that, you know, when they were were growing up, I had to take them aside and I had to say, hey, look, you know, uh, that sort of behavior, doing that sort of thing is really uh, not appropriate. You don't Mm -hmm. do, you don't respond to your brother and your sister. You don't respond to other people in that way. You don't need to react. You know, there were times when I had to sit down because uh, that was a, that's what a reasonable thing father or mother 
would do. And, you know, to me, as I, as I look at the church, yeah. I see the church very much as having uh, as being given by Christ an incredibly high standard. Mm. And he's certainly calling on believers to watch out for each other. That's right. And that's the, that's the beauty of it, isn't it? That we love one another, that we would give our life for one another. And, and the thing is that when you do it out of, uh, out of respect and love, I, I would hope that somebody would come to me if they saw me, you know, doing something similar to this, that they would come and speak to me because I may not listen to them because I'm caught up yeah. in that, in that uh, mindset of what I'm going through. Yeah. But I tell you what, I've, I've met people who have, have been through similar situations at this where a lot of, of the church members um, uh, react in a certain way and others didn't. You know, it splits the church sometimes, yeah, these things. Yeah, yeah. But they remember the ones that actually came and visited and said, look, we don't, we don't believe what you're doing is right, yeah. but, and we want you to come back. They were showing that love. There were others that just didn't want to know and wash their hands of it, but they remember the ones who reached out. And, you know, that person later on uh, came out of what the situation they were and, and came back to Christ yeah. in a pure way. So it, it does make a big difference. Difference. And and what we do is though we don't want to offend people and we we let it run because I mean you know two people in a church that aren't married for instance that seems to be the norm today yeah we yeah, don't we yeah. don't well let's be honest we don't mention these it's things. something that it's almost forbidden to mention you can't yeah. speak about certain things I, and look the way people can sometimes react means that we're very reticent i mean i i remember one particular occasion at uh i i was actually asked to to, to be a marriage celebrant to uh to marry a particular couple and i recognized that within their relationship there were some absolutely major issues that needed to be addressed mm-hmm. and uh, only once or twice in my entire ministry have i ever said to a couple look i really don't think i can actually marry you and this was one of those occasions. I actually said to them, "I said, look, you two, you really need to address uh, a couple, of, a couple of issues." And uh, I said, "Look, I, you know." And in the end, they, I, I didn't want to address the issues, so I said, "Look, I, I really feel uncomfortable about uh, uh, performing this particular wedding." Well, they did. They got incredibly upset with with me, and they eventually uh, they went to another pastor, and you know, and were married. Um, but it's very, very interesting. It was only six weeks before that marriage actually broke up Mm. and uh, they actually came back to me and apologized to me and they said pastor you're actually right and it was at that time that i was actually able to minister to them in a way that uh, i would not have been able to minister to them uh, otherwise i could talk to them uh, about some of the uh, some of the issues now the marriage never did come back together again Mm. Um, but uh, do you know eric i'm so conscious of the the need sometimes to 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 challenge people Uh, and that's what paul is actually saying yes he's being straightforward he says you know that he'd be taken out among you, yeah. that he's, and it says here, delivered to such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, flesh that his spirit might be saved. So what he's saying is, is put him out, put him away from you, put him out into the world where Satan is reigning, take him out of the spiritual realm, put him out there so that the flesh may die. To save his spirit. In other words, just as if if he wants to actually live in that particular manner then it's better for him to to live within the world environment. But significantly, I appreciate what you've actually said there, Eric, because um, what Paul then says is, look, you know, 
treat him as an unbeliever. Now, of course, how do we actually treat an unbeliever? We actually work for their conversion. Mm. That's that's the way that we work for yeah. a, work for an unbeliever. You know, yeah. we, we we don't push them away and say, "Hey, look, you know, we never want to talk to you again." Uh, when you say, "Hey, look, we're going to talk," what it means is, "Hey, I want to work for your conversion," and which means I'm going to uh, try to uh, speak to them uh, so that I can bring them in on a different level, on a spiritual plane as opposed to on the fleshy plane. But look, Eric, look, let's come to some music. We do need to have a break. Um, I love uh, Randy Travis, uh, and he's singing Above, Above All. Uh, please, please enjoy. Stone, you 
Travis and the song Above All, a really, a really beautiful song. Uh, look, guys, today that uh, book, our free free offer for, for you today, uh, is the book Life Without Limits. Now, this book has uh, been written by Clifford Goldstein. It's been a real beauty, uh, powerful truths for your journey to hope and meaning. Uh, look, if you just want to have a, an engaging book that will really help you look uh, at the world in which we live uh, and in your life in particular, uh, this is the book that you you need it's absolutely engaging book he takes on some of life's biggest questions and offers some answers that is going to change uh, the point of view of just so many uh, this is a fascinating absolutely fascinating mixture of faith and and pure logic uh, love what uh, Clifford uh, writes uh, I think his books are uh, are worth picking up and really worth uh, worth reading uh, you're listening to Faith FM uh, Drive Time oh I didn't actually tell you how you could acquire that book oh Pastor Gary you're being a silly boy um, look uh, folks if you'd like that particular book uh, all you need to do is to text us uh, here at uh, our studio text number that number is 0488 that number again is 0488 and all you need to do is use the code SA25 and um, our uh, our bot uh, will will contact you and ask you for the details that uh, that we need to get that book to you in the fastest possible way uh, that number again is 0488 80811 and you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary and today our co-host is Eric Hoare and Eric ministers to the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church and this week we're looking at the uh, theme of God, the Bible and a very human church uh, this week we're working our way through the experience of the church at Corinth uh, we noticed uh, yesterday that this church was a was a church that faced very real problems. Yesterday we asked, how do I deal with cliques uh, in the church? Today we notice the same church has an issue uh, with immorality and uh, Paul is uh, talking about how do I deal with that particular issue. Now, uh, Paul, um, uh, Eric, I'm really conscious that this one is just so relevant to us today and I just want you to get pull it all together for us. But look, uh, before we do that, look, I'm really conscious that a little while ago we actually did have um, a real celebrity pastor hit the headlines. This was about, oh, I think eight, 12 months ago. Um, pastor Carl Lenz um, admitted infidelity after Hillsong uh, sacked him. Hillsong Church Pastor Carl Lenz admits to moral failures cited by Church's global senior pastor Brian Houston. Carl Lenz, a senior advisor to the, to the stars including Justin Bieber, admitted that he'd failed to practice what he preached. He cheated on his wife Laura and is now working on trying to rebuild her trust. The leader of Hillsong responded to recent reports that he'd been fired for his moral failures. Uh, in an online statement, uh, Brian Houston announced his employment termination. This was about, uh, I think, eight or nine months ago, following ongoing discussions in relation to leadership issues and breaches of trust, plus a recent revelation of moral failures. You know, Eric, I'm really conscious that even within the church, uh, and I'm talking here with church pastors, this is a major issue. Of course, here in Australia, we had the Sex Abuse Royal Commission, uh, and that was that was a horrendous example of uh, of issues that have remained unaddressed 
within the Christian within the Christian Church um, to this day. I mean, this is consen- consensual uh, sexuality that uh, uh, the Hillsong pastor engaged in, uh, but it still damaged the church. Just bring it together for us, Eric. What does Paul, how does Paul say to respond uh, to this? I mean, I mean, some would say, you know, I mean, isn't it judging? To uh, um, to talk to these people, I mean, shouldn't we just forgive? Well, it's interesting what Paul actually says. We've only read a few verses of chapter five, but in verse six he says, "Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you are truly unleavened." So, what it's saying here is that if we leave sin boiling over in the church, it'll actually poison those around them, uh, like the leaven, you know, which was the pure. And then in verse twelve it says, "What have what have I to do with judging those who are outside?" Do you not judge those who are inside, but those who are outside God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil. So what he's saying here is we we understand what's happening out there, but we, we're not to judge them. We're to go out and share the gospel with them. In order to work for their in, conversion. In order to bring them into yes. the church, yes. yes. But it's saying in the church there are that, that things have to happen for the good, that the spirit-filled world in which we live is a changing of the old self. We're called as sinners. We're all sinners. And it, it, in fact, it says in Luke 6.37, we struggle with do not judge and you'll not be judged and do not condemn and you'll not be condemned. Pardon and you will be pardoned. But what it's talking about here is, as uh, Paul is talking about, is when it's something major like this happens in the church, it has to be dealt with. Because if it is not, then it's going to spread through the church and pull it down and condemn the, you know, people will, will lose their faith. In love, we will show that person what's, what's happening. And then by that love, the flesh will die and, but the spirit needs to come back. And that's the whole point of the thing, isn't it? That we're called out of sin. Into the church, yeah, yeah, and we're not. We know that the church is is we're all sinners. We know that, but there there has to be times we have to confront it when it's when it's so obvious, you know. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and people may not see that at the time, but then later on they realise that was for the good, you know, in the spiritual world. And sometimes, you know, Eric, I, I, sometimes people say, you know, when you confront it, you know, that means that you're going to call it out, you know, publish it in the newspaper, that sort of thing. Right. You know, so many times I I find as a church pastor there is. So so much that you're actually able to do behind the scenes that nobody actually knows about. Uh, somebody when the and it's not just on the the sin of um, uh, of uh, of fornication or immorality these particular issues. But you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I find that you know from time to time I do need to go and talk to somebody and I need to sit down with them and I say, hey, look, you know, did you realise this is how you're being perceived? You know, when you come across as you know bombastic in you know in committee meetings you know and mm. to actually sit down and to talk to the people I know sometimes uh, I can well remember sitting down and talking to some of my church uh, musicians and just simply saying hey look you know uh, I mean uh, the message that you're actually sending is you know not what you actually and on so many occasions uh, I've been able to resolve issues without them having to go and I think that this is the um, Matthew 18 principle and, and you know to me this is an onus that is so much on the pastors of the of the church there is some work that can be done 
quietly behind the scenes, which is why Matthew 18 talks about, uh, you know, if you see your brother overcome with sin, what I want you to do is I want you to go privately to him. I want you to privately go to them and I want you to speak to them uh, because that, so many issues can be resolved at that level and nobody ever knows that you've spoken to the individual. And that's right. And this, this is what it's talking about in a loving church where there's no gossip, yeah. that this is done in a private way and that this is done for the good of the person that's there. Yeah. Because, you know, if we don't, if this, these things don't happen in today's age, and, and the message of tonight is what is the difference between, difference between the world and the church? We're called yeah. out of the sin yeah. into a spiritual realm. And even though we're still sinners within that realm, when things like this happen, which the pagans weren't even doing out in the world, yeah. then it becomes a real issue and it has to be dealt with. But today, I think we are. We're, we're sensitive of, of people's feelings and, and we, we don't deal with some of these issues today and, yeah. and we just carry we just sort of drift around don't we oh. but but there is an important message of love here that we do it out of love that that we're bringing the person back into the spiritualness yeah. that's there yeah. it's the flesh that has to and, and of course if the person doesn't then hear you know maybe the pastor when they visit uh, to actually have some I, I can remember going and doing some visits with my church elders mm. and uh, you know three or four of us would sit down and together and talk about you know talk about various uh, various issues uh, and then finally, uh, to go to the to the church if that fails. Do you know that principle? As I as I look at that principle, I, I sort of turn around and say, say, hey, uh, you know, I believe the church uh, would have been saved a lot of hurt and pain if we had been bold enough. Uh, to make these uh, to to make these expectations very clear, marriages would have been saved. I can think of one or two, certainly early in my ministry, that would have been saved if I had gone and spoken to the people uh, rather than deferring and uh, saying, "Look, I, I don't want to judge. I'm sure that person's not doing exactly what uh, what it appears." That they are doing. Well, Jesus showed mercy and grace, and so the church should do that in the same way through love, handling these matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric, we do need to finish. Let's thank just you. bow our heads together in prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for being our God. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to resolve these conflicts, to resolve these issues in your way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, does, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow. Pastor David Butcher is going to be with me, and we chat on conflict uh, in the church. Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, a peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.